Hey, what's up? Welcome back, everybody. This is Negro Please Radio. I'm your host, Chris Allen. And as usual, off the top, I want to thank every last one of you guys for tuning in, downloading, streaming, however you say it. I just want to say thank you for listening to my podcast. See, when I say it slow, I get through it. I'm not mad. (laughs) I'm not mad. This is only my ninth time restarting this. So... Hmm, this is me exercising self-control. All right, I'm not mad anymore. Welcome back, everybody. This is Negro Please Radio. I'm your host, Chris Allen. And like I just said, welcome to anybody and everybody who's tuning in, however you taking this fucking podcast. Thank you. All right, God damn it. It took me so many times to get through that. So many times. And it's always when I'm like, oh, I got stuff to do. I never have an issue with this. I'm going to go ahead and knock this out. And that's when the podcast guys are like, you know what? Let's make Chris late to that shitty buffet lunch he has to go to. Okay? Let's make him late. Let's do that. Let's make him late. But um, welcome. Uh, Man, we are a couple of days from, actually, Thanksgiving is tomorrow. Thanksgiving is tomorrow. Are you guys excited? Are you happy? Are you dreading it? You know what? As I've gotten older, I think uh, Thanksgiving, uh, I will say it's become my least favorite because it's the most work, but it's the meaning has grown, but like me liking the actual holiday has gotten, uh, yeah, I like it less and less, you know? And plus, it's just not the same as when I was a kid. And I hate to be one of those people that just want to talk about how back in the day things were much better. It really was, wasn't much different. You were just nine. You just didn't have bills to pay. All right? You didn't have to make the cornbread stuffing or the turkey. You didn't have to buy any of that shit. So it was just a day where you where you walked over to your, uh, I mean, you went over to your aunt's house, or your grandmother's house, or your, your, your own kitchen, and there was a, 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 a stove top full of shit countertops full of shit you break out the uh you know what i don't even want to say you don't see this anymore i I don't go to people's houses and i don't know how popular this is anymore i could be wrong it could be part of the country but remember like uh when we had dining rooms you know that you barely used and you would always find like a big piece of like uh wood or some shit in the either in the basement or tucked away in the corner in the dining room or just somewhere you would go what the why why does why is this piece of table laying around and they go oh it's a leaf you go what the hell's a leaf and then on holidays you got to figure out that you could pull your table apart and stick in that other piece and make it a big table that used to be the thing to do you may have a small table make it a big table haven't seen that in a long time um but yeah, man, Thanksgiving as a kid was great. All your cousins were there. Uh, it was also fun, too, because that would be a day where maybe like there was a lady at church that was like a single mom and you were cool with her kids. Even though y'all didn't really hang out throughout the year, maybe a couple times, but Thanksgiving might have been the day that uh, your parents invited you know a, a, a single mom over from church or or something like that. So that that's fun. You got the new friends coming over, all your cousins. Uh, yeah, Thanksgiving was a great time growing up in, uh, as a kid in Rochester, New York, man. It was, I had a, I, I was, I was fortunate to be, uh, in a family where tradition was really, really big. Uh, and it's funny too, I never realized how Southern my family was. It's just, that's just how things were. Uh, just a lot of Southern traditions, man. I just, I just didn't, I never really thought to, uh, to ask a whole lot of questions, but. Yeah, Thanksgiving was a was a great day. So much fun. Uh the only thing I did not like about Thanksgiving is be, is the fact that we had to dress up a little bit. As we got older, it wasn't as uh as a big of a deal. But I think my mom and them they grew up, you know, wearing something nice on Thanksgiving, so it just kind of sucked. I would have to, I would have to go to my cousin's house and wear like a a pair of pants, like dress pants and a sweater. And I'm like seven. I'm like, I don't want to dress up like I'm going to church to go to my cousin's house. It was like, we were just here yesterday when we dropped off the greens. 
You know, we help my aunt cut up all these potatoes. We're having fun. I'm wearing a sweatsuit. And now the next day, I got to show up to eat the food in a suit? It's like, come on, man. I don't want to do that. But as we got older, uh, I felt like we... Um, I felt like uh, in the mid-90s, maybe, I don't know if it was my family, but we started to be a little bit more relaxed with our holidays as far as the dressing and stuff like that. Because as a kid, we dressed up like my aunts and uncles, they would come over wearing nice clothes on Christmas to eat dinner. But then I think they realized, like, yo, why am I dressing up to go around the corner to sit at my sister's house? Like, this is this is crazy. But I remember as a kid, like, the men putting on a shirt and a tie. And I'm pretty sure there's still families out there that that do that. They they do a dress up dinner. But uh, at home, I don't want I don't want to wear a tie to eat turkey in my own house. <laughs> I feel like it's a bit much. But you know what? Hey, to Easter on whatever whatever makes you happy, whatever is going to uh, enhance your holiday, have at it. But over here at the Allen House, we won't be wearing uh, suit jackets. You know what's funny though? I I can almost guarantee you, if I suggest it to my wife, you know, if this video looks bad, I don't know what's going on because uh, you know what I need to. I, as much as I love Streamyard, I gotta stop using it. I'm very limited because I can only I can only record in 1080p, which is super outdated. I need to just record this right into 4K up to the phone, but it just makes it easier to re record using this fucking thing. I don't have to splice any sound and upload. It's just already uploaded to YouTube. But anyway, sorry. A lot going on today. A lot of my mind. Yeah, but uh, I'm 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 looking forward to Thanksgiving. And this year, um, I forgot what I was talking about. So if I if I trail off, it's not like I got a million listeners who are like, "Damn it, he didn't tell the rest of his uh, his uh, Thanksgiving tie story." I just don't want to get dressed up. All right, over here we're not dressing up. Uh, and over here, this is what I was gonna say. We're not really doing a traditional meal. I feel like people are getting a moving away from traditional meals, especially if you have a small family. Like I don't want to make a big ass turkey and all this kind of stuff. So. What we've been doing the last few years is like uh, we'll have a few traditional dishes, side dishes, you know. Uh, but for the most part, it's a day of like I'm going to make the shit that we really like. You know, tomorrow we're, my wife is really, she really likes oxtails. So we're doing oxtails. Miles loves steaks. I've got a couple of nice ribeyes. I'm going to make some steaks. We're going to do some mashed potatoes. Uh, I love shrimp cocktail. I'm going to do some shrimp cocktail and, um, I'll probably have a side salad. He'll have some mac and cheese. Like I said, we'll have potatoes, mashed potatoes. And, uh, I don't, I don't know what other sides I got to figure that out. Maybe. Oh, you know what? Maybe some um, rice or something to go with the oxtails. I know my wife is also making cabbage. So cabbage, oxtails, steak, um, shrimp cocktail, uh, potatoes, mac and cheese, Maybe rice if I've already said that. And some rolls. You know what? I say this every year. I always go, I'm not going to make a lot. I don't want to be cooking all day. And then I turn around and I'll go to the store to buy all the main things that I want. And then I go, you know what? It would be nice to snack on this. So then next thing you know, I'm making wings in the air fryer. And I go, oh, you know what? Miles really likes ham. Let me get a few things to make a charcuterie platter. And next thing you know, I've added four or five new uh, menu items to the list and now i'm guess what cooking all fucking day but the oxtails i think those have to braise for a while uh the steak shouldn't take any time mashed potatoes are very very easy rice put that in the rice cooker even if we do corn or some shit like that, it, that that'll be easy throw it in the pot a little butter bam bam you know i drain all my canned goods first i know this is weird i get all that salty shit off first then I refill it with my own water and uh, then I season it. Try not to use salt. It's already pretty salty. But butter, a little bit of pepper, garlic, bam. That's how I do all my veggies. I do all my veggies. But, yeah. So, um, yeah, if you're listening to this, write in the comments. Which, what do you, what's your what's your uh, Thanksgiving tradition? What's your What do you think is the most overrated Thanksgiving uh, food thing, item? What's the most overrated Thanksgiving food in your opinion? Huh? 
What do you think? I think that the turkey is the most overrated. And look, I'm not saying I dislike, I like turkey. It's just a lot of work for something that's just okay. I, I, I like turkey, but I don't get excited about turkey. Don't get excited about it. Turkey gravy with the little turkey bits in it. I'll get excited for that. But as far as the bird, I'm never like, get the fuck out of my way. I got to get to blank part of the turkey. I, I don't. Ham, I want the end piece, you know, uh, either the back end or the front end. Something that's that's got those char marks on it that's, that's just kind of crunchy and crispy. That cherry glaze sauce is so good. I think I think ham is light years better than turkey. You can't even compare the two. Now, when you're talking about like a, a lunch sandwich, I'll take a turkey sandwich over uh, a ham sandwich. And I'm not talking a Thanksgiving sandwich. I'm talking like everyday bread or sub or sub. I'm going turkey. Okay. And I got into an argument uh, some years ago with my boy Ray. Little fat Ray. Uh... Because we both like to eat. And he told me a while back that turkey was, I mean, that ham was better than turkey. And I had to disagree. And years have gone by. <laughs> and I'll, I'll have to say this. As much as I love a, a turkey sandwich. Alright. The flavor isn't there. I was, I had to really be honest with myself. And I was, I was telling myself, turkey is the adult sandwich meat. You can't say you like ham sandwiches. That's that's for kids. But but ham has such a wide spectrum of just smoked. You got uh you got uh flavor different flavored ham. You got honey ham. You just I mean just uh, uh you got um Virginia baked ham, chopped ham, uh ham off the bone. It's just so many different types. And I know turkey is the same. But there is just something about the salty brininess of ham that I have to admit, flavor-wise, is better on a sandwich. Now, I do feel like turkey sandwiches, that's the adult choice to go. That, that shows like, okay, this guy might have their life together. He's got a decent job. You only see manual laborers buying fucking ham sandwiches, okay? That just says, I'm here for taste. I don't care about my health. Okay, turkey is for adults. But I have to admit, the shit is better. Ham is better when it comes to sandwiches. It tastes better. Turkey, healthier option, the more adult option. That makes me feel better about myself. But I have to come clean and admit, yes, sandwiches that got different types of high-quality ham, way better, way better. But I digress. I got so sidetracked with the with the bull. That's why I like talking about food. I got I get sidetracked with the bullshit. So, oh, my wife is yeah. She's making uh, oxtails. So this this is a new recipe for her. She's getting better and better. And uh, we can't. I couldn't find a Scotch bonnet because a traditional Caribbean uh, oxtail dish, or I don't know if it was Jamaican. I think it's just the Caribbean version. Cost for Scotch bonnets. Not very easy to find here in Charlottesville. Maybe I just don't know where to go. Actually, you know, World Market might have had it, but I didn't want to go there. Anyway, I found it at Habanero, and I'm at Whole Foods, and I'm checking out. And I feel like an idiot because I literally have one pepper that costs 22 cents, 22 cents, and each line is just backed up to the aisles. And I get in the self-checkout line, and this goes right into my milestone for the week. Miles is very, very hesitant to talk to people in public, you know, and people do want to talk to us. All right, as much as I don't like to admit it, uh, depending on where you live, around here, you don't see a lot of uh, black dudes with their kids. Not not a lot. And it's not that, it's just where I live at. We are here, but it's just not a lot of us. So when, we out, when we're out, there are times where people want to talk to us. <laughs> it's Charlottesville, especially, I'll say this. Out here in Greene County, where I live at, uh, you see more interracial couples and interracial uh, and uh, biracial kids and stuff like that. 
but in, in this, uh, it's a lot more conservative out here. So we do get looks, but people don't really say much. But in Charlottesville, in Charlottesville proper, it is very uh, white, liberally. And then you're talking about Whole Foods on top of it. So, I mean, half the people in there are still wearing masks. They got, I'm there with my Prius. They got theirs with their fucking Bernie stickers and all this type of shit and, you know, eat locally. So when we, when me and Miles go in there, a black son and his dad go into a Whole Foods, it is just like, oh my God, we did it, Biden. It's just, you just get that gross feeling that people are just happy to see you for the wrong fucking reasons. Actually, for no fucking reason at all. Let's be honest. <laughs> they just, uh, and I appreciate liberal people to a degree. But it's just, it's just like, I just don't like, it's a gross feeling. But, um, but, so we're in line and this old guy, old white dude, probably in his 70s. He turns around and I'm like, oh, here we go. He wants to say hi, which is fine. But then he does a full turn. Okay, back to his basket. I'm like, he wants a full-on conversation. When I saw the full turn, I'm like, this is over. I, how do I get out of this? Maybe this guy will die mid-sentence because I don't want to talk to him. And he starts talking to Miles, and I'm like, this is not going to go well because Miles is not like talking to people in public. He gets very, very shy. So I really have to coax him and just like, hey, man, don't be rude. You got to speak up. And he's just saying, oh, he's a good-looking kid, and he's a good guy, good-looking good, good kid, blah, blah, blah. And then he's trying to tell me how he was in the Air Force and he worked at the Pentagon. And it's it's funny because, like, when people do that, I know they want me to be impressed when I hear that they were they worked at the Pentagon. Most people, uh, most civilians, if you mention you worked at the Pentagon or you've been to the Pentagon, they get really fucking excited. They think it's really cool. And plus, after 9-11, it, it's kind of like this uh, thing. I don't know. But I got to say, not fucking impressed. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm a retired Air Force. I worked at the Pentagon. And I was just like, that's great, man. <laughs> that's fantastic. I, I get it. I was in the military, too, for 20 years. I, I worked for DIA. Yeah, I, I understand. I And he was kind of like, fuck, that. he wasn't impressed by that. But I say I'd like to say he kept fucking touching my arm. I'm not a fan of that. As a big black dude, or maybe it's just a big dude, but I'm a big black dude. People love touching me when they talk strangers that I don't know. And they people just love touching my arm, my shoulder, and I, I hate it. I'm not I'm not a fan. And I, the thing I don't even know, I just don't like it. Why why are you fucking touching me? Why? And I, I have to, I mean, do I let that slide because he's an elderly man? I mean, maybe he doesn't have physical contact with people. Uh, but honestly, in my mind, when I when people touch me, especially people like that, I always feel like it's a weird uh, sexual thing, a fetishizing, fetishizing thing. I could be wrong, but I, it just makes me feel uncomfortable. It could be an age thing, too. I, I, you know, he was a taller guy, you know, and he's old. But he wasn't a he wasn't a a short guy, so maybe he was a big dude in his younger days, and seeing me uh, brings that back. And and it's not even like I'm some guy that's in great shape or in phenomenal shape. I'm just a uh, bigger dude, six two, about two sixty five. Maybe maybe that's what it was. Maybe he missed his younger self or something like that. But I I, I guess I could what if it all day. But it's just it's just weird to me. It's just weird. I don't I don't want to be touched by this person but it, that it, it could be that thing too of like where he's old and he he he's just like missing his his younger self and he wants to know like hey this is what my arm felt like when i was a younger person i have no idea like see my mind just goes through all these fucking things that could possibly be it when it's probably fucking nothing it's probably the simplest answer he might be a lonely person who just wants contact with another human being but i i hate it and so we we check out and everything we leave and I tell I, I tell Miles I go look man I and it's funny too because like me and Miles are the same we don't want to talk to anybody but I'm always telling him like hey when people speak you you have to we can't be rude we have to reply okay but I also had to tell him too like I don't like being touched and I probably should have told that guy don't touch me and I had to tell him that 
yesterday, I go, hey, if you don't want people touching you, just tell them. And I go, we don't have to be rude. I was like, but if someone is touching you, especially an adult that you don't know, even if it's someone you don't know, you don't have to worry about being uh, nice or not. Don't intentionally be rude unless someone is, is really making you uncomfortable and they're doing something blatant. blatant. But I, I, I told him, don't worry about being rude if someone's touching you and you don't like it. And like I said, if someone is blatantly touching him in a in a inappropriate way, you know, rubbing him and stuff like that, absolutely, be rude. But if someone, if an older person pats you on the head or they like uh, tap your shoulder or something like that, if you don't like, I said, if you don't like it, let them know. You don't have to be rude in in those circumstances. But I honestly don't care how you get that point across because you're a child. And this is, is an adult touching you, and they know they shouldn't be touching you. So at that point, in my mind, uh, manners don't really matter because an adult knows they should not be putting their hands on a child that they don't know. So I don't know how my wife is going to feel about that um, because he is a kid. I don't want to confuse him, but at the same time, I'm going to let him know, like, hey, man, this is your body. If you don't want to be touched by people you don't know, you have to let them know. Okay, and don't worry about hurting their feelings. Because as an adult, they should know better. They're the, like, again, they're the adult in the situation. They know what's proper and what's not proper. As a kid, you just got to go on, on how you feel. And if it feels wrong, hey, man, I don't like that. Please stop. So, and I'll tell you that, I'm pretty sure there's nothing, nothing will stop another adult from touching a kid more than some kid, kid, being kind of a dick and loud about it in public. Hey, stop touching me. Now that shit is weird and everybody's like, what the fuck's going on? And I think that's a great way to just keep your hands to yourself. You know, it's just, uh, yeah. I don't know. Am I wrong? For, I, I don't, you know, I'm not wrong for that. I'm not wrong for that. I just, I got to tell my son, it's your body. If you don't want to be touched, let people know. Don't fucking touch me. Okay. You don't have to be a dick, but be very, very uh, forceful. And let people know you're serious and you mean business when you don't want to be touched. All right. So moving on. Um, I watched two great specials last week, Lil Rel and Dion Cole. Uh, if you don't know Lil Rel, I'm pretty sure you've seen Get Out. Uh, he had his own TV show, Rel. He's been on a lot of shit. He's been in a lot of movies. He's, uh, I want to say like, I, I think it's, is it Summer Vacation or Vacation Rental or Vacation something? It's like him, John Cena. And another couple. It's just one of those like couple movies where they go on vacation. But he's been in a lot of blockbuster, I mean, A-list celebrity, uh, movies with A-list celebrities. Chicago Dude uh, and Dion Cole was on the hit TV show Blackish for, what, six, seven years? Uh, he wrote on Conan. I followed both of these dudes for a long time. Uh, both Chicago... Chicago natives, they both released specials at the, uh, within the same time frame. I want to say with either the same day or within the same couple of days. But anyway, uh, Dion Cole, I love Dion Cole, man. I, I, he's such an odd uh, comic. Uh, he's not afraid of awkward moments. I love his style of delivery. It's kind of like this deadpan, uh, at times monotone, just stand still. But... He just the way he just riles up his crowd. He 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 does not care if they get uncomfortable. He addresses it and he moves on. I, I love that about Dionco. Uh, at the end of his, he had this very very just uh, just a special moment where he he was talking about how like uh, we have to check on people because there's a lot of people out there hurting. You know, a lot of people going through stuff. With you know, with the pandemic, uh, he was an only child. He lost a few uh, family members over the pandemic and he lost his mother and it was, his special was called Charlene's boy. And, uh, he opened the special with the video of her and him at the, at a hotel, hotel at a uh, restaurant together. And, uh, he would just say, just check on your friends. You just never know what people are going through. And especially, he said, especially like comics. And I know that's a very specific niche thing, but he goes, you know, like we're, we're hurting and he, I got to come out here every night and just 
smile and make people laugh. And I also like the fact that he was like, I'm not complaining about that. That's the job. This is the job I chose. I know that's part of the territory, but it does, it does make it harder because most people, yeah, you got to be professional when you go to your job, when you're going through stuff, but most people, you don't have to be funny. You know, you don't have to be, uh, the, um, the exact opposite of how you feel, you know, and, and I, 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 I get it. You might be a doctor who's sick. You're not feeling well yourself and you got to deal with people who are feeling well and you got to put that brave face on and act like you're doing well. And, I, and I'm not saying people don't have to do that kind of thing in their job at all. But I think like entertainment is such a different beast. But um, yeah, it was just a very uh, special moment. It was a moving moment. Uh, and it was just very honest and open and just vulnerable. And it was cool to see. You know, just and he's right, man. There's been plenty of nights where, you know, where just like I felt like my marriage wasn't in a great place, and I'm just me and or my me and my wife was just arguing, and I was just in a shitty mood. I got a lot of stuff going on, and I'm a nobody comic, and I'm trying to make it. So it's just like my my road is even narrower. People don't know who the fuck I am. If you're a celebrity having a bad day, people will at least want to hear your fucking problems, and that makes them feel closer to you. Like, oh, I heard about. You know, celebrity exes, he was telling us about his personal life. People like that shit because we're nosy. But me as just a random feature, I mean, I can't get up there and just start talking about problems in my life. People wouldn't want to hear that shit. So for somebody like me, you definitely got to fucking put on a brave fucking face and go out there and do your horse shit 20 minutes so you can get asked to come back at some point. But uh, yeah, so I can really relate to that because I've I've done that many a times, and we do that as as adults. You know, you're having a shitty day, you come home, you got to put that brave face on, that that smile on for your kids, for your wife, for your husband, boyfriend, girlfriend, whoever it may be. But you're not getting paid. You know, it's it's a it's a little different. I will say, in your home life, it can have way more serious ramifications because you can come home in a shitty mood and and do some horrific things, say some horrific shit, and really. Uh, hurt your kids for a long time or your or your, your family, uh, you know, uh, your spouse or somebody for a really long time. But, you know, uh, just coming out and trying to do an act that when you know, like, all right, for an hour, I have to say all these fun things, you know, and forget all my problems. We're like a mental bartender, right, in a way. We kind of, well, I guess a bartender, they, you listen to their problems. But I think as a comment, we help people forget about theirs by telling them shitty stuff and funny stuff about ours. But anyway, so Lil Well, I watched Lil, I said Lil Well. Lil Rells was great too. Um, right before his special came out, I'm a, he's, I'm a fan of his podcast, uh, and I listened to him kind of recap uh, the entire thing. You know, like who opened for him, uh, just his thought process behind like uh, the things that he had and all that kind of stuff, which I, I loved hearing. Uh, that kind of stuff when it comes to comedy. So I was really looking forward to seeing this. Just the way he talked about it. He said he didn't really write much of anything. And uh, I mean, this might sound bad, but it's not. It it didn't feel like a special. Meaning it didn't seem kind of stuffy and like, okay, he's got this act that he's going to do. It just, it felt special. You could feel the energy of the crowd and him through the screen. You could tell everybody that was there was there to see him. They were proud of him. They were happy to see him. You can tell they were like, this is our, this is our boy, Rel. He made it. He was, he's in the movies. He's a celebrity. We remember him from Jokes and Notes. We remember Rel when he was trying to make it. And here he is. He did it. He's at the Chicago Theater. This is our dude. This is our hometown, hometown hero. This is our guy. He's all grown up. You know? Little Chubby Rail. Now he's a, you know, a fit dude. He's a, he's a celebrity. He's looking good. He said he's the happiest he's ever been. And it was just a fun, it was a fun uh, club set. And again, I do not mean that in any disrespect at all. Because, I mean, I've seen some great specials, but there's nothing like seeing comedy live. Nothing like it. Nothing like seeing it live. And he did, He just seemed so comfortable. He was just so funny, so relaxed. He really just felt like he was at home. And I, I really dug it. it. It's just, it's so inspiring. You can just tell he, he has so much energy inside of him, so much emotion. 
you know, he he also lost his mom. That seemed to be like a through line with both of these dudes. Like they both love their mothers so much, and here they have all this success, but now both of their mothers are gone. You know, so to to experience all this stuff that they worked so hard for, that their mom, their mothers, both inspired and pushed them to just keep going and push it. You're gonna make it, and for them to to get to this point, but to not have their moms there. That's uh, it's it's a, uh, it was it was powerful, and I know for black men, man, it's just our mothers are it's a it's a different thing. I I gotta be honest, man. I as many white friends I've as I've had in my entire life, man. I'm being honest. I I don't know many, if any, other than my Barbara Ray. But to be honest, what's funny about Ray? His mom is from New York. They're Italian, and Ray, uh. They kind of got like some um, some black shit in them, and that maybe maybe that's the maybe that's the Italian, the New York Italian in in, in him, because I know Italians back east are kind of the same way. But when you move away from that, it, it's it's completely different. Now I, you know what I take that back. I've met a couple weird dudes from the Midwest who had odd relationships with their moms. Some odd ones. But I would say on the average, black dudes and their moms, I think that's uh that's a that's a bond that people uh stereotypically it's just a thing that black dudes and their moms it's just uh there's a there's a bond there. I I, I don't I don't know what it how it came to be. Uh maybe because I mean for a lot of uh, unfortunately a lot of black dudes, uh they come they grow up in single parent homes and that's their um that's their only rock. I, maybe maybe that's it that's not my case I don't, I don't know what it is with me and my mom but and my dad was there but uh and it, it just makes me think about me and my me and my mom and my and, and my dad too as, as well um but uh yeah they were both both very very good specials man I, I enjoy both of them very much and just it's just so inspiring, man, just to see both of these dudes especially dudes like Rel because Rel was more like uh somebody that I watched um uh, when I first started, Dion Cole, uh, a little bit later, but I've also I've always loved his career. I met him one time uh, in L.A. Yeah, like uh, when he became a writer on on on, uh, on Conan, that's why I was like, oh shit, this is crazy. I would love to do something like that. You know, he was like the first black comic that that I had heard of. Uh, that was I, he might have been the first black writer on Conan, if I'm not mistaken. But um. And that, that's what I liked about Dion Cole. He did black shit, but he also wrote on SNL. Like he was somebody who had uh, feet in both worlds, and that's something I've always uh, wanted to be able to do. That was my big draw to Dion Cole, and just uh, you know, Rail Man, just just a, just a fun dude, man. Just his career arc has been extremely fun to watch, and he makes it seem doable. You know what I mean? Just because he seemed like he seemed like a dude you just know. That you were hoot with or know from the barbershop, went to church with, went to school with. That that's what I really love about Rel, man. He's like a people celeb. But I, I know I feel like I've digressed quite a bit on this uh this episode, but you know, it's fine. It's Thanksgiving. Uh I've been watching the World Cup. That's been exciting. Uh we almost won. We fucking gave up a goddamn goal to Wales. I like how we just got the easy, we just start off with just the easy white people. That's how they do us. All right, let's let's do Wales, and we got England on Friday, and I'm pretty sure they're gonna probably beat us like three to one. We're not gonna even come close. Uh, but it's been fun, man. I absolutely love the World Cup. I remember years ago when I lived in Dayton, uh, I kind of got into the world the World Cup. I would come home at lunch and just watch a little bit of it. Uh, and then I really wasn't a soccer fan, but I did like the camaraderie and the, how the crowd sounded. Even though I wasn't into the game as much, I was like, man, this is, it was just something about it that I was like, this is really cool. And we fast forward 10 years and here I am. I, I'm really into it, man. I, I really like it. Now, am I going to watch every single match? Probably not, man, but it's, it's exciting. I, I just, I mean, you can't really get on a bigger stage than that. I mean, to score a goal in the World Cup and I think it's really cool, too, when it's from countries that aren't very big. You know, the fact that Saudi Arabia beat Argentina, that is insane. Saudi Arabia, not a big country. And I, I, I really love those. I really watched. I really love watching moments when people become 
legendary or they become great. Like watching uh, Saka score a goal in the World Cup, I'm like, that guy, he just be he's already a celebrity. It's just like you just just watching people uh, fill up their cachet, just add shit to it. Just watching people build their legacy is is amazing. And um, I want to. His name was um, Giro, G I R O U D. Uh, he played for France. Just, just like he, he looks like a fucking uh, cool, like a um, a Kelvin Klein model. That's what I don't like about some of these soccer players. It's like, why do you get to have both? <laughs> There's very few people that get to have it both. It's like, not only are you extremely gifted in this sport, like, why do you have to also look like a supermodel? It's just like, it's just some people, it's like they do get their cake and eat it too. And it just doesn't seem fair. But I love to see people who are just fortunate to, to, to have that going on for themselves. And when it comes to the soccer, you got to work at that. You got to work at that. So that even though, you know, you can say the talent's God-given, you still got to work at it. We're all talented. But we have to find it. And then you got to work at it. So I can't be really mad at the part you got to work at, you know. But the fact that you're just born good-looking is just like, all right, whatever. But um, he scored two goals and i was uh watching him go for that third and he was just trying like the the most wildest kicks a bicycle kick i mean mbappe is trying to do these like these uh back heel assists i mean like these dudes are really going for it. like if i'm gonna be in the world cup on the world's biggest stage if i'm gonna score i'm gonna score that motherfucker with gusto i'm gonna do it with style i'm gonna do that shit with fucking uh, just swag, and I think that's dope. I'm a, I, 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 I love that shit, man. They like fuck it. I'm up here. We already winning. If I, if I'm gonna become a legend, I want to, I want to become a legend. I mean, without a doubt in anybody's mind, I want to make that shit look good. And I, I, I love that shit, man. I, I think it's, I think it's great. <laughs> I wish I had that in me to showboat. I can't do it. Sometimes, you know, the few times I have, it, it just backfires. It's just not me. I'm an instant karma guy. I can't act out of character. Like, I can't act tough with anybody. That shit will, that will get punched in the face. That's just not me. It's not me. My my road is humble and quiet. Shut the fuck up. Because the moment I step out of, you know, my character and start to do shit that other people do, it goes it goes bad for me. So I, I I can't I don't have room to be cocky. I don't have room to be cocky. Um. So yeah, I'm in, I'm in, I'm enjoying that. That's been fun. Uh, the, the specials were great. And let me say this too: in no way am I in in trying to like compare the two. I'm not. They're both their own thing. I'm not saying one is better than the other at all. Um. I I, I enjoy both. I like both people. I enjoy both specials. If you like comedy. I suggest checking them both out. Uh, Rails is on HBO Max and Deion Coles is on Netflix. So I, I would check it out. I, would, I highly suggest checking it out. And one last thing before I get out of here. I've been re-watching Oz. I've been re-watching Oz. And uh, it's such a great show. It's so good. I'm only about three or four episodes in. And uh, it's just right from the beginning, you can just tell. They have so much to work with. So much to work with. And uh, it's just it's also cool just just going back and watching that and seeing like uh, uh, well, Ernie Hudson. He was a younger Ernie Hudson. Um, what's his name? Um, um, God damn it. Uh, I can never remember his name. Uh, David. Is it David or Michael? David Perinow. Harold Perinow. Perinu. He was big for a while. Remember him, right? Dark skinned brother. He had he uh he always kind of played like the um in the black movies, he kind of I don't want to say corny, but he always played like the uh the one, the guy with the dread. So he was always kind of like the earthy kind of guy. He would be the nerdy guy, the non-street guy. Sometimes the kind of like not cool, uh, but straight edge kind of dude. He was in it. Um, Leon. 
uh, and a bunch of other faces that I've seen on a bunch of other HBO. I, I just can't. I'm not. I'm not good at actors' names. But just seeing a lot of these guys when they were uh, getting their start, and that's what. I, that's also what I love about HBO. It's just like they reuse their actors, and I think that's part of the reason why their shit is so good. They get to know somebody and they use them over and over again. I don't remember the actor's name, but the guy who played out of BC, he was. I mean, I remember the first time watching the show. That guy was fucking terrifying. Terrifying. Just a big, dark-skinned dude. And then to make it worse, he has like one of the best smiles on the show. So he's like this good-looking guy who could also be a fucking model. But here he is in prison with the little hat on raping motherfuckers. That's like your biggest fear is the <laughs> the big, dark-skinned nigga that rapes people in jail. He was that guy. Now, I remember seeing him on uh, Lost some, some years later. There are people who showed up on Sopranos, uh, Boardwalk Empire, and just so many just movies and TV shows just over the next 20 years. So many of these guys were on. I mean, HBO, just, I, I just feel like they're really great at, at picking out talent. And uh, also, too, with the pilot, man, you really see, and this is, this is late 90s, so, and there's no telling when they shot that pilot. It could have been a year, two years prior. But, like, you just see how low budget it was. Like, the fake brick walls. Um, also, too, I noticed the the pilot, and I'm, I'm trying to say a little bit into the second episode. It's very, this, well, the pilot is very artsy. Just the way it's set up. Uh, some of the shots. Uh, the lighting is very artsy. And uh, kind of stage play e stage playish stage play ish I don't, I don't know how to say it. It's kind of like a stage play, like just some of the acting is a little over dramatic. Like some of the turns and like the way they they end scenes and just just some of the arguments and stuff. It's kind of like a play, kind of stage playish. No, that's it. That's what I'm with stage playish, you know. And I'm not saying it's bad. It's just I. It was just not what you were used to seeing on TV. But as time went on, it, it kind of became became more of a TV drama. But at first, it, it definitely had a lot of like uh, stage uh, stage acting uh, elements to it. And you know what's funny too? A lot of these dudes, these act, they come from that world. You know, and when you're new, you might think that's what you do when, you, when you're moving from stage to TV. Because I, I like that show... Um, uh god damn it why am i i'm drawing a blank on the show it's a the tv show that comes on t tnt it's about the train tnt show tnt show there it is snowpiercer also a movie the main character andre layton who was, I want to say, Christopher Pine's character in the movie. But his name is uh, David Diggs, and he's in Hamilton. He's a stage actor. And I noticed with Snowpiercer, for the first few episodes, he was very stage actory, very play, kind of playish. Because I was like, this guy is, he's just overly dramatic, and he's, he's doing too much. But he settled in. He's, he settled in. It was just like this is his body movements and how you would pronounce words. Because I think with the stage plays, you got to be overly dramatic how you project and how you speak and how you look at people. But on TV, like the camera kind of captured that. It's just like with a play, it's just like, I get it. You got to be bigger and over the top so people in the balcony in the back row can really tell what type of uh, emotion or, or you're trying to convey. But on TV, it's like the camera's going to do a lot of that work and he, he pulled it back. And I'm not saying the dude's a bad actor because I, I can't act to save my fucking life. So I'm just saying I noticed the, the uh, some similarities there. So I, I think that's what it may have been. Maybe it was what they wanted to uh, present uh, from the get-go. Because I could, I could definitely see Oz being done as a stage play so i don't know if it was something that they had done on stage i mean on, yeah as a play before and then they adapted it to tv or they just happened to use a lot of um stage actors so i also wondered too with it being the time frame that it was and the subject that it was was it hard to find tv actors that didn't want to do a lot of the stuff because you're talking 
90s, early 2000s, there's a lot of rape and gay shit going on on the show. And I was just, I wonder if there are people back then that were like, I don't really want to be naked. I'm not getting raped. I don't want my dick on camera. You know, I just think that people might have been, uh, TV actors might have been a little bit more hesitant where I would say a stage actor, uh, a, a true thespian. And I'm not saying people who, who do TV are not. But I feel like uh, a lot of stage people, uh, uh, Broadway people, might see themselves as pure actors and they're willing to go that extra mile. You know, they're willing to, to you know, take the clothes off and all that type of shit to do, to do something, to put themselves in... Um, uh, compromising positions. Just, just wondering if that was hard to find um, men to do that, especially when you're talking about a, a certain um, uh, aesthetic. You know, men that look like they've been in prison. That's gonna they're gonna look very masculine, and they they might tend to uh, lean towards very masculine things, and like being naked, uh, having a sex scene with a dude, or just being in the shower scene with a dude. That that might not be something they would want to do. So it'd be it would be interesting to to hear like uh if there were any uh casting issues uh with Oz, you know. So but I digress. This was this was a weird one. I was all over the place. Uh there was something I wanted to talk about, but you know what? I I will. Since I I'm talking about this, it's a it's a smooth transition. Um Real quick, I, I lived in Colorado Springs for about a year, and it's very, very sad to see that there's been yet another mass shooting. And there was another one last night in Chesapeake, Virginia. Uh, a disgruntled Walmart employee killed like six people, then killed themselves, but, uh, which is also tragic. But what I wanted to talk about was the Q Club night shooting uh, in Colorado Springs. It's just, it's just sad that people are just, do you really have that much of an issue with gay people, you know? Do you, do you really like what, like, what is it? It, it, it sounds like a you problem, a, 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 an issue that you personally cannot work out. And you got to take it out on people who have come to terms with who they are, who accepted who they are, you know? Uh, and so watch politicians who just talk shit about the LGBTQ community uh, day in, day out. They talk shit about trans people uh, day in, day out, say horrific things. And then when something like this happens, they go, Oh man, this is fucked up. I, and look, I understand people are very people are responsible for their own actions. But when you have politicians saying the outrageous and 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 this incredibly insensitive things, untrue things about people uh, in the trans community, the drag community, uh, you you already have people who are on edge, who are upset, who are, have believed this whole web of lies about. Uh, the election being stolen, uh, voting machines, uh, voter fraud, um, QAnon bullshit, uh, JFK coming back to life, Pizzagate, all this type of shit. And people are already unstable. You got to take some responsibility for that, man. You're a politician. You're a politician. That, that to me, that's completely different than jokes. Yeah, can jokes be insensitive? Yeah. Can jokes get people riled up? Probably. About things. Jokes can get people riled up. But no one's going to have an impact on you like, like a politician, man. When, you, when, you, when you're spouting that shit from a podium with the American flag behind you, running for office, you take it to a different level. You're taking it to a different level. And you, you don't want to take responsibility for that. But there were some of the first people to say thoughts and prayers. It's like you're the ones that you're the ones that are putting this awful information, disinformation about uh, this community out there. And it gets people who are already crazy, even more riled up. And in some cases like this, pushes them over the edge. Over the edge. And again, I understand people are responsible for their own actions, but we really got to think about the type of shit that we're saying. That, that it, it's it's wild because it's like all, all the people that talk, all the politicians and these talking heads and and YouTube personalities and podcasters they're they're just sitting there on their mic on their mics talking shit and they they're not going out doing anything it's their fucking listeners they know they have and here's the thing people in this industry they know exactly who their fucking audience is. That's why they talk about the things that they talk about, and that's why they talk about them the, the way that they do. 
People try to act like they don't. They don't know. Yes, yes, you do. You know, you know who your who your audience is. Now, do you know every single person? No, but you know who your audience is. You, you people know when their audience is shitty. I know so many comics that make a lot of money that hate their fucking following, and they have huge followings. All right, their their, their audience allows them to to tour. They have nice houses. They have nice equipment. They have great podcasts. But deep down inside, they hate their fucking audience because they created an entire fan base of shitty people. And they know it. They don't even like meeting them after the show. But they take their money. They got a nice house, a nice car. Like I said, nice podcast equipment, all this type of shit. A little studio. And they hate the people that they make this stuff for. And if you notice, you're going to start seeing some of these comics either quitting their old podcast or they're changing their format. They, they're they now not talking about COVID and all this bullshit and conspiracy theories. Now that they've, they've got their audience and they've made their millions over the last few years, now they want to do you know talk shows. They want to talk to celebrities. They don't want to push conspiracy theories anymore. They got you. They got your money. They get. They got them. They got them hooked. And now it's just like, okay, say you start off with like, say a hundred thousand, and you're doing well. All right, everybody's kind of moved on from this Trump shit, this conspiracy theory, this. All they kind of moved on from that. All right, well, I don't want to get. I don't want to do that anymore. Those people are weird. I got. I got this big group of people. Let me just start moving on to interviewing old boxers and baseball players and basketball players and rappers. Yeah, it's just like some of that initial 100,000, they're going to kind of disappear. But when you're interviewing these boxers and, and uh, rappers, you're going to pick up their audience. So they got a big group by grifting, talking about the shit they were talking about before. Now they're big. Now you can have big people on. And now you can stop talking about vaccines and uh, how you, you having climate denier, climate change deniers on election. Now you don't have to do that anymore. You got you got your you got your big swath of people. Now you can start whittling away and and do something else with that with that group. You got the money. You got the money. But all right, I digress long enough. This has gone on way too long. There's a show. That's the show. I'm in Richmond this weekend. Sandman Comedy Club. Kevin Dombrowski. Four shows. Friday to Saturday too. I'm out. Peace. Have a safe and think uh, great Thanksgiving. This is too long. All right, bye.